Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we, well, we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Adam, how are you doing today? I am good. I am... Uh, You're good? You're good? I did I did accidentally say good, yeah. You, you said good, which is great and good. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I'm I'm doing great today, and uh, I'm excited because we, we are presenting some things today. We are we are presenting some things uh, to celebrate uh, to celebrate this episode. We wanted to we wanted to bring a little MCP into your mm, life. Yes, yeah some some of that uh, some of that Motor City Five uh, action. <laughs> these may not, not have been these may not have been the most popular comics in the world, but I think everyone who read these comics went out and made comics. Is that that the truth? Everybody loves a good minor clown posse story. Uh, everyone loves a My Chemical Fomance. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't, I didn't think of any other ones. But we only had so many MCP <laughs> things. No, we're talking, we're talking about Marvel Comics Presents. Yes, uh, and we've talked about it before on the show with stories like Weapon X or Cyclops Retribution. But uh, there are. I mean, this series lasted for well over a hundred issues and we are going to get 175, I think pretty wild, right? That it lasted as long as it did. It's weird. Cause it starts off being, it starts off with the lead story always being a, an X-Man anthology. Like it starts with Wolverine, but it then switches to a good amount of the cast. Then mm-hmm. it becomes a Wolverine anthology book. Then it becomes a Wolverine anthology and a Ghost Rider anthology book. <laughs> and then it ends being about vengeance, a spin-off Ghost Rider character. It's just riding the waves of like popularity, right? Like it, it's just up and down, up and down, depending on what it is. And well, it was it was like bi-weekly, I think, was how they were able to get away with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that has to, you know, a lot to do with how it got up to its higher numbers. And it is uh, sometimes it has its gems, and a lot of time it just has like the worst crap. You know, like it's I got do, a lot of trash. I do get angry. I got very like annoyed this week. Let's say not angry, but I got very annoyed this week that Marvel Unlimited really has almost none of MCP as as a run in in their uh in their app and uh i you know reading these issues i kind of understand why you know like does anybody really want to read like an eight to nine part story about giant man but it's like a version of giant man you're not familiar with it's here's what i think here's what i think they should do they should one that was bill foster Right. He, he was played by Lawrence Fishburne in the movie Ant-Man and Wasp. Yep. Yep. He was he was uh he he was the casualty of the Civil War, if you recall. I, I would like to uh say most people again don't know who that is. So, you know. I think honestly, I think people our age or this day and age would know them know Bill from dying in Civil War. More than anything else, which is not great. If you want Bill Foster content, I can't 
I can't tell you what good Bill Foster content is, but he does have like a nephew or a son or something that is in front of the show. Leah Williams giant men series. Nice. Uh, which is possibly the best thing to come out of war of the realms. It's up there. That one's so good. Yeah. She was definitely having a good time with that one. I mean, and all this is just to say that Marvel comics presents is a real mixed bag. But uh, it's we, frequently bad. It is. And we have uh, a few highlights, though, I think, uh, on this episode. So uh, we picked we, out some good ones. Or at yeah. least one, one, one definitely good one. One that I have some thoughts on. And then we also, because folks, it's us. We picked a weird stinker. Uh, that's a lot of fun to talk about still. So uh, who requested our first story of the week, Zach? Well, it's interesting that you bring up requests because that is how this show works. We're an all request weekend, seven days a week. Actually, really, <laughs> one day a week. If we did this show seven days a week, one would people listen to it? I think not. I don't Two, know how we would even read it all. How would we do it? Would we, we be would, done? <laughs> we would stop reading War and Peace, Adam. <laughs> folks, folks, this is this is a fun little side note. Adam and I somehow are in a War and Peace book club. This year, did we, did we mention this on the last episode? Maybe I don't we, know. I don't know who knows this, but yes, some of the Comics XF crew is doing War and Peace a chapter a day. I am several chapters behind. We I just got up. to the war. Have you gotten yes. to the war? Yes, I'm in part two, but I'm I'm still like maybe two or three days behind. Okay, so. this is all we're going to say about War and Peace, and then we'll get back. The thing that people don't understand about War and Peace is that Leo Tolstoy often has bits in it. <laughs> Yes, it's very there's, silly. There's <laughs> farcical comedy in this, like slapstick stuff. There's a, there's a party where a bear just shows up and they're like, hey, yeah, this is our friend. He's the bear from War and Peace. <laughs> and then they talk about, remember the last time we found a bear and we tied a policeman to it and the bear and the policeman almost drowned? Yeah, I just uh, finished reading a chapter where there was a, a long standing joke about jackets and uh, <laughs> it's just like not at all what I expected. I'm enjoying it very much. There is also, and we cannot emphasize this enough, there is also a lot of war. Yes, yes. Well, Turns out Napoleon wasn't great. But do you know who's great? Uh, I'm assuming the person that requested this first story. Yeah, I was going to bring it all back to uh, Mike Godzilla. Ooh, good name. Great name for Mike Godzilla. If you want to be like Mike Godzilla... First, have cooler parents. And then second, you got to go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf. Reach deep down into your hearts and your pocketbooks. And say, folks, I want to toss a couple of coins into the coffers. I hope you guys keep ComicsXF running. And it is. It continues to run. Yeah, good stuff happening. And uh, what is this first story that we are covering? Oh, this is this is a story from Marvel Comics Presents 109 to 116. Uh, it's Wolverine and Typhoid Mary's crossover typhoids kiss uh and some of you are thinking uh typhoid mary i get that she's a mutant but do i care well you should because this is a 1992 anacenti uh steve lytle joint uh the second i i read the first part and i started to have a lot of reservations and we'll get into what the story's about then i realized that i was reading an anacenti joint because i had skipped the credits page and then I didn't recognize that it was Steve Lytle's artwork, which we can also get into. Once I once it clicked for me that that was what I was reading and I was actually getting kind of like a bonus Daredevil and Nascenti story out of this, 
I was on board and uh, it's still a weird one, but I, I liked it. It is still it is still a weird one. And folks, just for rankings sake, we're only going to be ranking the uh, this story from these issues. Right. But what we'll do since we're doing all MCP, if there's something else from these issues that we that catches our fancy that we want to mention, we'll mention it. At the yeah. End. Before yeah, the rankings, there is definitely something in the second story that has a bonus uh, X Men thing that I would like to note, but it's not in this batch. Um, so, what is in this batch, Adam? I, I would like to know what's in this batch. Yeah. So, Typhoid's Kiss. Oh, do you want to know what the other stories are? Or do you want me to talk about Typhoid's Kiss? I want. I want to talk about Typhoid's Kiss. All right. So, Typhoid's Kiss is Anasenti's essentially like riffing on MK ultra. So yep. we, we begin our uh, story with uh, a man who is trying to like, I guess both stab Wolverine and also explain to him that they are the same because they have both been experimented on by their governments. And this guy wants Wolverine to hunt down the scientist who experimented on them with psychoneural surgery. I think I have that right to implant different kinds of suggestions so that they would become assassins. And it turns out there's a bunch of these guys out there that were experimented on. And it also turns out that maybe this has something to do with typhoid Mary and why she's the way she is potentially. It will get retconned. And I think smartly, later that this is actually weapon nine yes uh, it's one of the weapons things but i mean the sense he's very much tying it into hey this is this is like the same stuff wolverine went through this is somebody else though like she's she's leaning on that especially because the uh the wolverine weapon x stuff was so hot at this moment i think the storyline is very interesting because it feels like it's it feels like this is and riffing on a very common trope story that was happening in the late 80s, early 90s. Like, uh, the I, I bring it up all the time, or I say all the time, I think once or twice on this podcast, uh, but the uh, Queensryche album, Operation Mind Crime, is... You have mentioned this before. Keep going. Queensryche's, Queensryche's Operation Mind Crime, uh, which I reference every week on this podcast, but not <laughs> as explicitly... Uh, Queensryche's Operation Mind Crime is a late 80s Reagan era concept album about a guy who gets uh, mind crimed into becoming a assassin. Mm -hmm. uh, very much, very much exactly the same beats. And what I'm very, here's what I think. I don't think that Anacenti was like, oh yeah, man, I love Queensryche. Chris DeGarmo, Jeff Tate, they're my jam. No, I think... I think there was something in the water. Like MK Ultra became public in the mid eighties. I know there was a lot of other stuff. I'm sure there is like a cornerstone piece of pop culture that all these things are riffing back to. Well, uh, what, what we're essentially reading is a noir story, right? We because are. we have our, our femme fatale in typhoid Mary, who is, Oh, we got typhoid who is switching back to the Mary personality and romancing. Do people, do people know about Typhoid Mary if they listen to our podcast? She's That's a daredevil a character. good question. I don't know if she's come up before. So 
Typhoid I know Mary. We've, talk, we've talked about Typhoid Mary in the past, but Adam, you're the you're the bigger Nascenti Daredevil head. What's Typhoid Mary's deal? So Typhoid Mary is a mutant who um, does have psychokinetic fire powers, um, but is also this character who simultaneously romances and tries to kill Daredevil. So if you've never seen her before, she typically paints one side of her face white uh, with white makeup. Um, You know, normal day look, she's just kind of a normal person. But then in the Typhoid Mary, her hair is this big poof of 80s Tina Turner hair. She wears like, you know, uh, I don't know, metallic shoulder (laughs) pads and like uh, all kinds of like shredded up clothing. And it's like this very psychosexual thing, uh, their relationship with, uh, with Matt Murdoch. And we get into the same dynamics here as she romances Wolverine to try and advance her cause. And is, this one's an interesting one though, because Nascenti is presenting Mary as somebody who wants to be cured of her psychosis. And so, that leads places. I think it's interesting because Typhoid Mary is essentially Nascenti's vehicle to talk about feminism and uh, how women are treated in society and some of the dueling nature of you know what women are forced to be versus you know how that how that makes them react from an id standpoint. Like it's Nascenti taking taking a concept, blowing it up to its biggest level, and finding the most high drama soapy way to do that while being incredibly explicit about uh about the metaphor she's trying to hammer home oh as always and and it it definitely captures the 80s zeitgeist of like fatal attraction you know like it's got that glenn close insanity thing that going on there and uh here this this story i i'm not gonna say it 100 works but it is helped out a lot by the fact that Steve Lytle is, and um, you, you mentioned this before uh, we went on the air, Steve Lytle did pass away uh, earlier this year due to COVID in January. So, um, you know, our, our uh, respects to his family, but uh, the artwork he's doing here is very unfamiliar uh, and, and not at all similar to things you may have seen him do elsewhere, such as his X-Men uh his classic X-Men covers, which have a much more polished look. Or is like, he, he got very big in the, like Keith Giffen Legion of Mm -hmm. superheroes run. He did like Steve was doing the who's who of the DC universe stuff. Like he was doing, how do you make the most house art kind of look? And that is not what he's doing here. He was, he was doing, he was doing a Jose Garcia Lopez. And now he's doing, Something very moody, very different, very sketchy, innovative layouts. Like he's impressing on this arc in a way that, wow, I wish we could have seen more of this kind of stuff. It's really neat to see him play around with the layouts the way he does. It almost feels now just keeping in mind where we're at with this series. We've already seen uh, Barry Windsor Smith come through with Weapon X. We've already seen Sam Keith come through on Blood Hungry. It almost seems as though Steve is looking at those and saying, all right, I need to adapt so that this this artwork matches the tone of this book 
and what Nascenti is throwing out here with this story. And so we get this like very like vibrant, very um, almost sketchy in parts, but it, it just feels a little more alive and darker than we're used to uh, with, with Steve's work. So I, I think the artwork's fantastic. No, I, I concur. I think it's, I think it's great. I think the story is interesting. There is a fever dream quality to it mm-hmm. where it kind of floats in and out and you're not sure what's internal versus external, what's real versus symbolic. Nascenti's playing with the same kind of tools that Nascenti loves to play with. Sure. But this is one of the cases, and I've been more critical about Anne's work than you have, I think it's fair to say, since darn near the start of the podcast. <laughs> I think this is one of the cases where it works a lot better uh, than it has in the past. Like this is this is a really interesting read that I had I had either read and forgot because I here's the thing I read most of Marvel Comics Presents on a very long plane ride to Brazil. <laughs> uh, if I read Marvel Comics Presents, I mean, I read the X-Men related stuff in Marvel Comics Presents, and I may have skimmed some of the Wolverine solo stories that didn't immediately capture me. Yeah, I was very tired. Too. That's the way to do it. I, I don't think you, you really need to go much past that. Um, I went with I went with Marvel Comics Presents on that flight and X-Men Unlimited. So oh. I had I had nothing but a lot of disposable stories. <laughs> Did I want page turners? No, I wanted just pages. Yeah. Well, this story does suffer for two reasons. I think, um, one is the episodic nature that MCP demands. Um, so we are getting these in short blasts and I think this would have been a lot more effective if we could have just gotten maybe one solid issue. Maybe they do this as like one of those oversized Wolverine, like special square bound special editions. Yeah, but we're still. Then this gets remembered for yeah, a while. We, I think they do. I think they do re- republish. This they re- at some I point. know they republished it like that, but I think yeah. if it would have originally come out, yeah, as a companion to some of the other stuff that was happening at this time, I agree. I think would it becomes a bigger thing. I, I agree, um, but because of the way it's being written to fit into this format, it, it feels a little choppier. I think the other thing that's to its detriment is that uh, Nascenti relies a tremendous amount especially in the beginning on these internal narrators uh, narration blocks. And it's, it's effective in so much as we're getting an idea of what the, uh, the sort of altered minds of these soldiers are like, but it, it also feels somewhat repetitious and it, I don't know. Like it, it's it, a, it's a, it, I, I hear where you're coming from. I think that is a very specific choice that Nascenti's making. And for me, that works. Okay. But, you know, Nascenti doing something intentionally and stylistically that turns people off. Tell me that's never happened. Before. <laughs> it's, it's clearly intentional. I think uh, folks reading this uh, are either going to grab onto that or not. I think uh, readers may also just be kind of turned off by the fact that when we get to the end of this story, it really is, it, it becomes more of just a, is Wolverine going to kill the doctor or whatever, you know, kind of story. And there's this whole thing going through this, that just the one thing that really doesn't make sense is the ongoing, uh, statement that Wolverine does not kill, which I guess editorially he doesn't. Um, it oh, does. Okay. Hold on. 
Wolverine's Wolverine's enemies are saying that, and they're like, "No, you're a superhero. You don't kill." And the very I I hear where you're coming from, but I I think the very end of this story, which has a fantastic last page, yes, in my opinion, is the answer to that. Where Wolver where this guy's this guy has Wolverine's claws in front of him, and he's saying, "You're not going to kill me. You, you know you're." You're gonna to have to live with that. Like you, you won't have that on your conscience. And essentially, Wolverine says well, that's that's between me and God or something. I well, forget he, what he, the he line says, is. Great because he says it's not that I don't kill people; it's that people don't find out. <laughs> Which Desenti applause for you, my friend. That is a that's a sick line. <laughs> it works. It works really well, especially because it's this like it's like a page of five stacked panels. Yeah. And it's all held in one place. So the only changes are, you know, seeing Wolverine's claws and all this stuff. And the last panel is completely black. Mm hmm. And it rules. Yeah. Because of the implications. Absolutely. So I think there's a lot to like here. I think if you are a uh, Nascenti Daredevil fan, as I am, you're and I know you're a fan of that run as well. I think that it's, this this definitely is something you're going to want to check out if you haven't. And uh, I think especially because of, of Lytle's artwork, um, it's also something that's just visually very captivating. So the story is, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag, but I definitely think it's something worth checking out. I can't believe an Anacenti story is working better for me than you. This is unprecedented, <laughs> Adam. Unprecedented in the history of our list. That's right, our list, Adam. Giant how could list. you forget? Giant we list. have a big list. Yeah. It's, do you know how many stories long it is? It's 681 stories uh, on the road. We are close. Adam, we're on that road. Yeah. 700. Woo. Crazy. Uh, they're all ranked from best to worst. Uh, the best story is House of X, Powers of Ten. You know that. Hmm. Uh, X-Men Alpha Flight's at 100. Number 200 on our list is X-Force 1 to 2, a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Listen, that's pretty good. It's Number fun. 300 is X-Men to protect and to serve. Number 400 is ROM 17 through 18, the hybrid. Number 500 on this list is... Uh, X-Men 109, which is a Christmas issue. It's a fun one. It's, it's just a Christmas issue. Uh, number 600 on this list is Chris Claremont's X-Men 100 to 102 Revolution. That's not good. That's the word. The word is all of us. Did you know that, Adam? You got to sure. speak the word. <laughs> Revolution. The word is all of us. Guys, go listen to Operation Mindcrime. It rules. <laughs> The, the 681st story is my personal mind crime trigger, which is the Draco. <laughs> uh, Adam, oh, yeah. I'm going to ask you this. Okay. How do you feel about this compared to another Innocenti Marvel Comics Presents that we have on here? I need which to, is... Wait, where are, you, where are you clicking? I'm trying to find are Colossus. Are you, Colossus to, God Country? Yeah, I'm trying to find... 341 is Colossus God's Country. Uh, from Marvel Comics presents 10 through 17. I like this better than God's Country. I think we're in the same wheelhouse. Now, for my personal preference, I prefer God's Country. I think that Rick Leonardi uh, and that story is just, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I don't like it better. You know why I'm thinking about this is because I, I, I think I like Leonardi's art. I also like that story, but 
now that I'm thinking about it, I think this this typhoid's kiss may have more to offer. So this it does have more the more to offer. I was going to fight you on that one, Adam. Yeah. All right. So let's work our way up a little bit. Um, I think this is is this better or worse than Uncanny X Men two fifty one two fifty two Fever Dream, which has that same kind of staccato structure. I think we're in the same realm. Um, I don't think this is as good as Wolverine Noir at three thirteen, okay. though. I think that's that going to be my a, next question. Yeah, that's a stronger story. Uh, how about compared to Marvel Team Up one hundred at three nineteen? I think this is better than Marvel Team Up one hundred. All right, we're getting closer here. We um, are. How do you feel about it compared to Love Lorne at three seventeen? What's that one? What happens that's the one that? where Colossus gets a tattoo. Oh, Jesus. This is better than that. <laughs> I think I think this is better than the Omega arc of Ben Percy's X-Force. Uh-huh. I would agree with that. But I don't think it's better. Yeah, I don't think it's better than what's right above that, which is Uncanny X-Men 114 to 116 to save the Savage Land. I think we found our spot. So this is going to be our new 316. Hey, great job, Anne. Yeah, man. Just great stuff adam, it holds up it's interesting and it's visually interesting so go check adam, that before out. we uh, before we move forward yeah. uh was there anything else in the typhoid's kiss issues that you wanted to bring up uh, any of the other stories that you that oh, you thought about i don't think so was there one that you thought was there is it? an x-men there is an x-men story in here and it's terrible there is there is a story in 110 about Nightcrawler uh, hunting a modern-day Jack the Ripper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it has some horrifically bad art, very, very cartoony, very wrong for this story. Mm-hmm. It also has a wildly offensive story about sex workers. Uh, it's uh-huh. not good. That one's bad. Uh, it's by Barry Dutter and Matt Runyon. Or Mark Runyon, excuse me. Two creators I do not know a thing about. Uh, Runyon Runyon penciled two works for the Marvel Comics Corporation. Uh, so did not do a lot. Both uh, Marvel Comics present stories. That's well, bad. That's a bad story. That if you like, if you like bad stories, <laughs> that's a good one to get on your radar. Well, we're going to ignore that one. And uh, keep our 316 for typhoid, uh, typhoid's kiss. How's that? Yeah, I mean, listen, that's that's fine with yep. me. All right, so we are going to move to the immediate next Wolverine arc, uh, which takes place in Wolverine, or excuse me, Marvel Comics presents 117 to 122 Claws and Webs. This is uh this is a Howard Mackey joint with one Sam Keith, who at the time had been doing most of the covers for MCP. Yes, and there's an ongoing thing in MCP, especially around issue 100, where uh, Nightmare, the villain of the dream world has been going after a variety of different characters. He's been going after Dr. Doom. He's been going after Ghost Rider, but he seems to be preoccupied with Wolverine as well. And in this arc, Nightmare is not leaving Wolverine alone and pulls him not into the nightmare realm, but pulls him into an astral plane with none other than Venom. 
And if there are two characters that Sam Keith knows how to draw the hell out of, it is Wolverine and Venom. So I love, I love Sam Keith's Wolverine. I love his hairy little arms. Oh, best. We uh, had a little thing uh, uh, on Twitter about this the other day. Best, best hair on Wolverine. I think ever just like the arm hair is, is you should get, get an award for that, Sam. It's just amazing. It's, it's very good how he draws Wolverine as the little gremlin that he is. <laughs> I think Sam Keith is drawing a very good Venom for 1992. However, I think as Venom has existed as a character further and further, Marvel has been much more willing to allow you to go off model with Venom and do things that it's hard to look at this and see it and be like, I bet Sam Keith today could draw a way better Venom than he could in 1992. <laughs> well, like I, he, he could be more creative with Venom in a way that he can't in these. Yeah, potentially. Um, what I think is really interesting about the visual style of this is that especially because of where it's taking place, it is essentially a test run for what he is about to do on the max. And yes, I don't, this is I'm, proto the max. It really is. Uh, you know, you could very easily replace these characters with other characters and it be an issue of the max um, down to the creature that uh, attacks Wolverine and Venom as they're running up the side of like a volcano to go kill night nightmare. They are basically just like in this jungle environment, which is exactly like the one that is in the dream world of the max. So, it's really fun going back to this era when Sam is like just absolutely killing it. He's working really fast to get these done on a bi-weekly basis so that they can come out. He's doing the covers. The covers look amazing. And the story is just a, a lot of goofy fun. I mean, what else the story really happens sure is written story? by Howard Mackey. <laughs> There's not a lot going on here, right? They are fighting essentially because there is a woman that looks like Mariko that doesn't both... look like Mariko. Hold on. It, it sure as heck doesn't, but Wolverine says it does. It looks nothing like Mariko Yoshida. No, it doesn't. It, 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 it almost seems like Howard Mackey had to add that in the script afterwards. I don't know. Um, but Venom seems very convinced that uh, she is somehow going to help him defeat nightmare and get home or something. And, uh, that's not the case. Nightmare is using Wolverine, who is using Professor X, so that he can actually break through into reality, um, which they're, the plan is foiled. So, uh, hooray, hooray for our heroes. Yeah. One thing I found myself doing as I was uh, reading this story was um, envisioning, I don't know if you ever hear a character's voice in your head as you read. I often don't, um, just because I'm might be reading quickly, but I did find myself doing the venom movie voice, the movie venom voice. Eddie. <laughs> and Eddie. it made the story even more fun. <laughs> I want to eat a lobster tank. Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. Uh, I do that voice to my kid. He loves it. <laughs> so you do it to him. Like right before he goes to bed. Like, just... Eddie. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Oh, he, thinks, he thinks venom is neat. Of course. Because he's, because he's six years old. If you're six years old and you think Venom, actually, you know what? If you're any age and you think Venom is neat, I'm not going to argue with you. Venom's fun. Yeah. 
I think do I want to read Venom stories? Not really. Yeah, I like him more as sort of a, a foil, and here that's exactly what he is. And the draw here is absolutely not the script. It is not the story. It is all one hundred percent these beautiful visuals by Sam Keith. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it comes down to. Is there's some really great Sam Keith art in here, mm-hmm. and then also some other things, right? Did not... Sam Keith come back just like a couple of years ago to do a really short Wolverine thing? He did. Uh, in in 29... We're going to talk about Wolverine best there is. Okay, I remember which one we're talking about. It's called which Exit, one that one? Exit Wounds was the one Exit shot. Wounds, that's the one. And I believe Venom was back in that as well. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive. That... I think that is a sequel. Like right? a direct sequel. Yeah. Yeah, because it's called Red in Tooth and Claw. Yeah. No, wait, that's the Larry Hama one. That's weird. Uh, no, this that Sam Keith story is just called Logan. I don't remember what happens in it. That's the same issue that Wolverine is like a, a sushi chef and like has more kids. And or he has, something. yeah, he his secret his secret Japanese sushi family. Yeah, because a hundred percent canon. Yep, that's Chris Claremont original baby. That's right. No, that that Logan story, the Sam Keith one, is even more than this an excuse to look at pictures of Sam Keith drawing Wolverine. That's it. Yeah, that's all you need. And. I, I gotta say, I'm a sucker for it. Um, I just recently bought, they've republished uh, the, the four-issue miniseries they did with Chris Rayall called The Hollow, uh, The Hollows, um, as a one-shot. It just got republished, and it's beautiful. Like, I just love looking at this guy's artwork. So um, I'm a sucker for this. It's it's just a shame. It doesn't have the, the story to back it up. You know, Blood Hungry, I think, has the art and has a really fun story. Um, this is not as visually inventive as blood hungry and is, is not as interesting. Um, it is- yeah. That's the problem is this at one twenty four on our list is blood hungry. And this is not as good as that. Oh no, 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 no. Um, and I don't think this is as good as typhoid's kiss, which we just talked about either because I also agree with that statement that Adam Freck made. Uh <laughs> God's country is better than this. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I think we probably have uh, retribution down here underneath that too, right? I mean, retribution's, I think retribution's kind of low. Retribution's pretty bad though. Like it's not. Yeah, retribution's good. at 502. This is better than retribution. I think so. Yeah, I mean, this is like action figures hitting each other. You know, it's, it's toy time. This is, this isn't as good as that ROM Space Knight story. So we're in the 400s. I would agree. I think we are. Um, I think we're somewhere around like, if, well, okay. I was going to say 452, but, uh, which is Adam X's back. But I and don't have never been deadlier. Yeah, but I don't think this is as good as the Gene Nation and Rogue and Iceman stuff at 453. You have to remember that all the Gene Nation stuff in those is really bad. And what you and me remember are is that one good Rogue and Iceman issue. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because I don't uh, think this is as bad as like Aurora before the storm at 440. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, let's but I also see. don't think this is as good as like, I don't know. We're like, I don't think we're on par with what at 439, what if 43, what if Wolverine married Mariko? Like we're on that level. Like we this are. Is, this is where we're at. I would say this has better art than that. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And that would make me want to push it up to like I would put it under 431, the other world arc of Uncanny X Force. Hmm. 
Okay. How do you feel about it compared to the Lord Darkwind story in Daredevil? I mean, I'm going to revisit this before I go back and read Lord Darkwind, <laughs> to be honest. Perfect. So. 430, 432. <laughs> That's a fun place for it. So if you are a Sam Keith. Keith. What's the fan club for Sam Keith? We should make something up. A Maxinista. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a different thing, but yes. <laughs> then uh, you got to check this out. It's a lot of fun. But, check it out, you know, and then then check out that recent one, and then go back to reading Blood Hungry or the Max because you wanted good Sam Keith art. Absolutely. Look at all of the. If you like Sam Keith, look at all of the covers for Marvel Comics Presents in 1992. Yeah, I mean, if for that alone, that is why it should be on Marvel Unlimited, so we can actually like see some of this stuff in high def. That would be uh, that'd be great. So, Adam, we've we've ranked this, uh, but before we get to our next story, was there anything else in these few issues of Marvel Comics Presents that caught your eye? I know there was one that you were interested in bringing up on here. There is, in particular, I believe it is in issue 121, mm-hmm. um, there is a story that I was not aware of. Um, it is Joe Mad telling a very quick story about Mirage and her time being trained as a Valkyrie um, after she left the New Mutants book. I, I was shocked to see this. Yeah, it's uh, a weird thing. In, very, in, very strange. It is an interesting, interesting story beat. So Mirage is with the Valkyries mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, doesn't uh, or doing fine. But then a a Cheyenne God. Uh, yes, Hota Mentanio uh, it, it suddenly appears on the scene and says, you have abandoned our land you have abandoned your home you need to come home and he will not leave uh until danny promises that at some point she will return home and uh the story ends with her essentially embracing the idea that she is both you know she's a cheyenne first and then she is also a valkyrie but she she will be both and i think this is interesting because you know, for folks who may never have seen this, and I, I certainly hadn't, uh, this was my first time seeing this story. There didn't ever seem to be a bridge between when she disappeared in New Mutants and when she reappears in X-Force. So even though it's not a good story <laughs> by any means, it's still kind of neat that there is this little, you know, continuity bridge. So here's the, here's the, here's the rub on this. Because uh, I do think it's an interesting piece of continuity. And I think this story, the story where Danny has to say, listen, I am Cheyenne, but I'm also now a Valkyrie. And those are, those do not replace each other. Those are just two parts of my, my personality in my life because people are more than just one thing. I think mm-hmm. that's great. And that's like a really cool thing. It's not a real Cheyenne God, which yeah. is um, unfortunate. It's like, come on, guys, please do the bare minimum of effort. Uh. <laughs> yes, this was uh, written by Jay Gardner. Um, I don't get the impression that uh, I think the Marvel fandom says that Jay is an editor, um, but only wrote maybe two stories for Marvel. Yeah, edited edited a handful of things. Uh, in the right. 90s. So we're not talking about someone who has uh, clearly doesn't have uh, a knowledge of um, 
the, the, the cultural framework to, to properly tell this story. And because it's Joe mad, we're also just basically, you know, looking at two beautiful babes wrestling. Essentially. That is what the story is. Okay. Yes, that's true. Right. Um, you're not that, wrong. You're not wrong. Right. That's what's going on here. The, the, However, oh, I just found it just to be like a, an oddity that I was like, oh, we're going to tell this Mirage story. It's now. An, okay. It's an interesting and worthwhile six pages. Absolutely. Uh, what I found as a weird thing in these is in 119, there is a Dan Slott, Pete McDonald story called The Exclusive. Oh, uh, is this the Wonder Man story? Yeah, it's the story where Wonder Man's agent, Neil. Uh, yes, this was fun. This one, stupid. This one is fun. <laughs> uh, Neil is Wonder Man's agent and Wonder Man really wants to get into more serious roles and Neil's struggling with it. And then this guy, the agent, you know, the agent from from, from uh, Mojo him. Yeah. Shows up and says, hey, y'all, um, here you go. Uh, here's a good contract. And it's a it's a contract until he dies where Neil has to remind him, hey, uh, he's immortal. He doesn't doesn't die. It's a bad contract. Mojo is loving this. Until he gets him into a Shakespearean role and realizes that uh, Simon Williams, the Wonder Man, is bad at things. <laughs> He's a terrible actor. <laughs> it's great. Dan Slott, I think, has only written two Mojo stories, but they're both bangers. It's pretty. It's pretty fun because you you always love these moments where where Mojo has made a deal and it's just not what he expected it to be, and I, I just love moments like this more. More stories in general should be about making fun of Wonder Man, a bad character. And especially at this time, uh, I remember back in the early 90s, I think 91, Wolverine, uh, Wonder Man Volume 2. Um, Featuring Neil, by, yes. Uh, yeah, written by Gerard Jones and penciled by Jeff Johnson. That was a fun series because, you know, it it knew what Wonder Man was and was making fun of him at the same time. This good takes it to another level. And uh, even if the art is just kind of okay, it's it's a fun one. So if folks would like a fun Mojoverse story that makes fun of Wonder Man, who's very easy to make fun of, um, they should check this out. Unfortunately, Wonder Man's agent did die in Peter David's Wonder Man series. Um, unfortunate. Do you know who Wonder Man's agent was replaced by? Who's, no, who his new I agent is? This is a you. weird bit. You remember how we were talking about... You remember how we were talking about War of the Realms earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Wonder Man's agent uh, gets replaced in the War of the Realms series. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, the series Journey into Mystery uh, from okay. War of the Realms, written by Clint McElroy, Griffin McElroy, Justin McElroy, and Travis McElroy, people with uh, more popular podcasts than us. Uh, and they just wrote that their agent is now Wonder Man's agent. Oh, okay. Great. That's more interesting to people who have a working knowledge of the one-time podcast, The McElroy Brothers Will Be in Trolls 2, where the McElroy Brothers successfully advocated to be in Trolls 2. And were, correct? Yeah, they success- like- They were They were absolutely in Trolls 2, a movie that came out just at the right time for me to have to buy it twice on video on demand so that my children would watch it during the start of the <laughs> pandemic. So I guess that's neither here nor there. It's uh, 
for the for the people who care about that information, and I'll I'll be honest, I have fallen off of the McElroy series of podcasts. Uh, but for the people who wanted that information, there's something you're going to remember for a while: is that that's their agent is now Wonder Man's agent. Which you know, I'm going to remember that for. I'm going to remember that for uh, approximately less time than I remember that John Ham showed up at the uh, Hellfire Cow. <laughs> yeah, what was with Emma Frost's friend John Ham being just around? And I know the answer is because he's Jerry Duggan's friend. <laughs> Exactly. That's what all it is. <laughs> I love that the Hellfire Gala guests this year were people that Jerry Duggan could get the releases for pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Not not even a complaint. I think it's great. It was them and Eddie from Iron Maiden. That's right. All right. Oh, so we ready to think move Jerry's got an in with Iron Maiden? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, it couldn't hurt to ask. I'll, you know, I will next time. Next time Jerry's on the podcast. We'll ask him if he has an in with Iron Maiden. That'd be great. Yeah. Let's let's get that going. Let's get Iron Maiden on Boda, you know? Bud. <laughs> Bud. I would love to. Um, Zach's prog metal dreams come true. As... Iron Maiden is not a... Well, okay. They're... You They're can... metal. Iron Maiden is absolutely a metal band. They are very specifically, or at least in their most famous stuff, uh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal band however a successful argument could be made that uh there's their albums from uh 2001 through 2005 uh being brave new world dance of death and uh matters of life and matters of life and death uh which everyone has the tank on it i forget who drew it was a comics person who drew that tank thing it was great anyway those are probably their most progressive albums uh when it comes to prog metal definitely worth checking out if you only know made them from their 80s heyday i love you over explaining this stuff people <laughs> need to know about iron maiden this is an x-men podcast nerds oh from the 80s all know this stuff i'm not a nerd from the 80s i did have a father <laughs> i'm glad I'm can we really talk glad. about a story that does you know take who, place in the 80s you know who else uh, has a father <laughs> oh are you are you talking That's about a great? Let's get into this last story. Are you talking about Lorraine Durin? <laughs> I sure am. Oh, Clan Dercanesis? Listen, French people, French people. I got to tell you. I'm from Ohio, and we have a long and storied tradition of pronouncing every vowel that you are putting into a word. If it's there, we're going to say it. She's just a har- she's a Harkness. No, it's Clan Dercanesis. Oh, darkness. Okay. No, I, now that I'm saying, uh, that's the problem with reading words is that you're not always (laughs) thinking about what they, how you say them. And then you say dark, no, clan darkness, get out of here, Charles soul, (laughs) Charles soul, please leave out the, out the doors. This is, this is vigil for Marvel comics presents volume three, a 2019 series. Uh, Charles soul, is the writer uh, Dio Naves and Paulo Seguera do the pencils on these nine issues of the relaunch of Marvel Comics Presents? Was it successful? We'll get there. Adam, do you want to start? <laughs> well, here's what I want to say is that uh, after reading the two arcs of Marvel Comics Presents that we just talked about, you know, I realized what Marvel Comics Presents is, right? It is either the place where bad stories go to die, 
right? right? That no one will ever remember. Or it's the place for like funky experimental Wolverine stories, right? So when we come to Marvel Comics Presents Volume 3 and we have Charles Soule telling this story, I think this this story falls into that first category, but it forgets to fall into the second category and comes out with some of the cleanest house art that you could possibly imagine, which the art is great. It's very, very well done. That's fine. It's, it's such an interesting thing to go from Lytle, what he was doing to Keith, what he's doing to this, which is very like studious and intelligent and knows about anatomy. And I wish it were like a scratchy ink scribble. You know what I mean? It is. So the, the high concept between Marvel Com- or for Marvel Comics Presents Volume 3 was that each issue was set in a specific decade. And this is true for all the stories in an issue. So right. there was a – the first one was a 40s issue. So it had a Captain America story and it had a Namor story and it had a Wolverine set in the 40s story. Love that the through line, they're smart enough to be like, the through line of Marvel Comics Presents should be a Wolverine story. What are you talking about? Like, they Mm -hmm. did get that. They understood. They did bring in Charles Soule, who at the time was the premier Wolverine writer at Marvel? Sure. He's doing all of the He was the one who did Death and Return, yeah. You know, he's doing... Were those good? I think one of them was good art. (laughs) And uh friend of the show, Declan Shalvey, please. We've talked about this. Yeah. Uh, this story, this story's bad. This story's weirdly bad. So in 1940s, uh, and I'm just going to get this out of the way because the story doesn't go out of its way to tell you this. This does not take place in the main Marvel continuity. This takes place in a Marvel continuity where things kind of age normally, but also definitely don't. Yeah, so as you go through the decades, they're matching up with the publishing schedule of the X-Men. So when you get to, you know, the 90s, for instance, it's the 90s X-Men, right? Going going forward. But you you really realize it once they hit the decades, like, after the present, because Wolverine turns into, like, this kind of scrawny, bearded weirdo. After, after um, the 90s is when you know that it's really diverging Yeah, for the endings. Yes. Um, I do wish that all of this was more fun, but it is not. It What we're saying sounds like interesting concepts for a story. Until we tell you about the part where it's about in the 1940s, Wolverine helps stop a Hellboy situation. That's it. The demon that they try and unleash, the Nazis try and unleash, is named Truth. Adam, this is a very on-the-nose name, and I feel like if you're going to give the demon the name Truth, you, you gotta do something good with that and not bad because it's a bad name. And here's the thing about, here's the thing about the concept of this demon, the demon called truth. And the truth is that everything dies in the words of Bruce Springsteen. Is it weird that Jonathan Hickman can use everything dies in a comic? And it sounds epic and cool. And Charles soul uses it in a comic. I'm like, Oh, screw you, dude. All right. Here's why, uh, it sucks is because <laughs> not only does the the demon conveniently come back each decade as at the to go worst the, moment in every decade which right so folks some of the some of the does the truth come back at 911 it sure does no adam the truth does not come back at 911 
very specifically. Now, could you argue that 9-11 was the worst moment of that decade? I think 9-11 was probably the most important moment of that decade and radically shifted global politics uh, largely towards the worse uh, and gave us the terrible uh, hellscape of forever wars that we are in. Um, but no, it actually comes back during the Mumbai terror attacks in 2008, which I don't know enough about. They do seem like, from my cursory research, they were pretty bad. But I was alive for a lot of bad stuff in from 2000 to 2009. Okay, but can we can we just stop for a second? What yes. you're doing in terms of comparing absolute tragedies is what this story is also doing without right. realizing because it. i'm 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 trying to meet the story at its level i do think it's a bad choice to it's a really bad choice to show wolverine sitting at the the ashes of the, <laughs> the of the world trade center it's we like, all we all marvel do that the one time because everyone in marvel was working through something i that was but like that was that was the JMS and JRJR working through something for a moment. We should not yeah. have repeated that in 2019. The, this the 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 return over and over in each issue to some real event that is an actual tragedy is just it. I feel like it's in poor taste. It just kind of sucks. This story sucks, that sucks doing because. It. What what is going on is each decade Wolverine is summoned back to fight this demon with the daughter of the witch in the first issue. And not only did he know this small child as a small child. As a five-year-old, explicitly a five-year-old, then a 15-year-old. Those yes. are the two times he's met this woman before she turns 25 he meets with her in the 70s, I guess, and they hook up like that. I'm speechless. Like, I'm reading this and I'm like, are you serious? We're going here, Charles. And, you know, it's framed that she is taking advantage of him somehow so that she can have like another a child that is, is going to continue to be Is protector. she doing this because the Darkness family, the Harknesses, Agatha Harkness is involved, is using her to eugenically create a super baby to finally kill the truth that is the implication that is that is what this story implies is that a weird implication to just throw into your story yeah charles yeah what, it's what very, are you doing here this is very a bizarre especially because then later we get introduced to this daughter who kind of looks like a valkyrie like blonde wearing sort of asgardian armor and the two of them are you're enough. describing renderen who's narrating this whole story, and you just described her look. And somehow, Adam, you have left out the most important part of the aesthetics of Renduin. Which are? Uh, her sparkly her sparkly crystal diamond claws. She does have sparkly crystal diamond claws, yes. She has sparkly crystal true. magic diamond claws. Yes. Um, this story is only three years old. The truth is defeated by using a time travel gimmick through hell. So that Wolverine truth, does go to hell in this, which is again, every time. Well, and, and here's another thing, which is Wolverine has already gone to hell. In fact, there's been that story where Wolverine has to like defeat the angel of death every year or whatever. And like here I mean, it's, there's also it's been the poised. story Wolverine goes to hell where Wolverine goes to hell. It right. was an event. And here, 
And here it's po posed as, oh, Wolverine's never been to hell before. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to get trapped. No, he's not. Maybe this he's... Wolverine hasn't, but the Wolverine we're all reading about has. So, yes. So anyway, the the way uh, Soul eventually gets the truth to uh, die is to not kill it, to not to kill it, but to have the truth of the future fight the truth of the past forever and forever. Because and blah, the truth, here's the lie about the truth, Adam. The lie about yeah, the truth is that everything dies except for the truth. The truth doesn't die. So the truth has to fight the truth and they get locked into like a logic puzzle. And I get angry when I remember that that's how this story resolves. And I'm like, Charles, why do I have one of your novels on my to read list? This seems like a bad idea for me. It is not that Charles Soule is a bad writer. I just it is that, that Charles Soule has written a lot of bad stories. Hold on, let's be clear. I've <laughs> I've liked some Charles Soule stories. I think my overall, I think his overall hit rate is under five hundred with me personally. I I don't know. I just think that this one in particular just. What's stinks. your favorite Charles Soule story, Adam? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have one. Probably. Maybe I don't like Charles Soule. <laughs> Because I think I let let's be clear. I did like Astonishing. Uh, we've talked about that on the show before. There's definitely some stuff that I like in there a lot, even I'm, if it's flawed. I'm not. I'm not sure. I like Charles Soule as a as a as a writer. As a person, he seems very nice. Well, I'm not worried about that. I'm here's what I'm gonna say is that this story sucks. This the, story does suck. There is no design to the demon. The demon just looks as bland as possible. Charles Soul, She-Hulk. That is the best Charles Soul, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. no, that's relevant. Go read Charles Soul's She-Hulk. It's great, actually. Back to fun. Back to the truth. No, that that's it. I don't I don't have a lot to say about this. The the, the story ends with this daughter who I don't think we will ever see again. I can't she is wait until we alternate. see her again. An alternate reality, but I'm you know, that never stopped anybody before. But but it's implied this is a that, very Adam, it's stupid that she ends up in our reality by the end yes. of this story. The yeah. implication is that she's hanging around 1940s France. And right, because she has gone back in time and everything has started again, and that we're now in the 616. Sure. It's it sucks. It does it suck. Sucks. And and I no it, one, I could no give one... it a, a little more credit if it didn't just have this. I can't believe I'm saying this because the artwork is beautiful. It is clean, clean. It is crisp. It doesn't serve the story at all. It it feels like it has no personality. No, I, I just it's want it clinical. to look like something stylistically. Give me, give me, give me something cool here. This is Marvel Comics presents. This is when you pull out. Hey, who's that artist that you've not been able to find a fit for, but maybe if you give them a shot on something, Boom. then you'll see if they make sense uh, for some other books and give them a low stakes thing. I guess, Thank and you. frankly, across the board on this, I think the art in this Marvel Comics Presents series is relatively weak. Yeah, it's very flat. There's, like, even of all the backups, there's a couple of stories that I could point to and say, I like this art. I like I like what they are doing with this art and how the art is used to do something weird. Uh, and we'll talk about a couple of those stories. But yeah, the the vigil, the Wolverine story where he goes every decade and fights the demon called Truth and meets his magic daughter. Not good. 
No. Before we rank it, Adam, are there any others? Did you read any of the other stories in these nine issues of no. MCP? No, I did not. Okay. I was very, very bored by this. That's fine. That's fair. Let me give you the rundown of what you should read. Okay. Skip the first three issues. This is an Anacenti story that you think you might want to read, but then you see that Greg Land did the art on it. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, so you can skip that one. Uh, it's fine. Uh, there's issue four has two stories that are pretty decent. One's a Daniel Cable Smith Spider-Man, and I like Daniel Cable Smith in general. Okay. Uh, that's okay. worth that's worth checking out. Spider-Man goes to watch Star Wars. <laughs> that's the here's the thing. They chose a big event. So the two backups were one story about a historic event. Daniel Cable Smith chose Star Wars, which a lot of cool. other things happened in the 70s. Very yeah. funny that they chose Star Wars. I get it. And then the other one was for a character that was introduced in that decade that was important. So in the 70s, they did Spider-Man. And then there is a Ben Percy Juan Ferreira Moon Knight story. That's a really good Moon Knight story. Like I've read a lot of Moon Knight shorts with that Black, White, and Blood that just recently came out of that. Yeah. This is better There's than all cool of them. There. This one's oh, great. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, there is one that you might like. In issue nine, uh, there is a, you remember the dot exe men? Oh, I did read that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a Thompson Nadler story that has great art in it as well. The one for era are in the, uh, in the Moon Knight stories also really good. Uh, but this is weapon underscore underscore exe. Uh, Andre Lima Arreo does the, does the art in that one. Great to, great to check that out. Uh, there's one that you should just look at the cover of number seven, where it says Iron Man versus the Great Recession, um, which is a Ryan North Rod Reese story that tries and fails to do something. Mm. Uh, Iron Man shouldn't fight the Great Recession, even if you're trying your best, Ryan. <laughs> With I, Rod Reese? I, Ryan, Ryan North, I cannot wait for your Fantastic Four. Uh, that's bad. But uh, what you should really check out is number five, which has a Chris Claremont uh, Luke Ross story set in the Crosstime Caper that goes to an alternate Berlin where the Berlin Wall is falling, and specifically Destiny's there and acknowledges that Wolf, er, acknowledges that Nightcrawler is her child. Oh, okay, that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that one. That one's Chris Claremont saying, "Yeah, well, in one reality, Destiny's his mom." <laughs> but the I don't know. She's kind of giving him hugs in Judgment Day, so you know. Okay, let's. We don't have time to talk. We don't about have that. time to talk about that. Mystique did throw this child off of a waterfall. That's <laughs> her entire interactions with this, and then trying to murder him a lot. Anyway, the other story you need to check out uh, is in uh, number five as well. Friend of the show, Leah Williams, writes a uh, really cool Venom story that is erotically charged. Yes. Can we rank this bad story now? Yeah, I'm looking down at the low 500s um, in the 580s, maybe. 585, you've highlighted the Secret Empire arc of X-Men Blue. This is worse than that. Yeah, I don't know if it's as, like, down... Um, I don't think it's as bad as, like, X-Men Noir at 596. This isn't as good as the origins and endings arc of Wolverine right above X-Men Noir. All right, well, that's going to be where it's going to go at 596. Folks, we've told you to read a lot of things in this podcast. Skip Vigil, unless yeah. you want to know about Wolverine's magical magical daughter. No, you absolutely do not need to read this. this I need to. The I definition need people, of fluff. I need people to demand Ren Duren come back <laughs> with her magic claws. But have her come back as like, 
she's just aged normally since the 40s and she's like i am 90 year old daughter with brea with like brittle magic claws what if her claws had the diamonds from that wolverine and spider-man time travel story you remember that one? Oh, yeah, 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 Adam. I'm, I'm <laughs> quite aware. Folks, we're already running long, so we won't we won't hold up with the pomp and circumstances of the episode. You know, follow ComicsXF on Twitter. Uh, give us a rating or a review if you use Spotify. Just go give us five stars on Spotify. If you do Apple, maybe write us a nice review. We, we're nice. I don't fight much. I'm a dad, so I have to say the much part. Uh, As Adam, I'm sure you understand. I totally get it, yeah. Adam, anything you want to plug? Um, No. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. I I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but I was interviewed by another podcast called The Superhero Show Show. So if you want to check that out, I linked that on my Twitter account. So go check that out. Go check that out. Yeah, what are we doing next week, Zach? Well, next week, Adam, I was thinking, because, as we all know, it's your birthday today. That is true. Yeah. Because it's your birthday. When I think of birthdays, I think about death. And I think about the woman who sees <laughs> death. That is Danny Moonstar. And as you, yeah. Adam, age closer and closer to your inevitable demise, I thought we should celebrate by talking about stories about the Valkyrie herself, Danny Moonstar. Love it. Can't wait. I can't wait either. Folks... This has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!